At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey guys, welcome back to the Art of Craftsmanship podcast. Now before we get started today, I just want to pop in real quick and let you know that uh, we had a really awesome, almost two-hour conversation with Aaron Lee and Dennis Tyrell, uh, and all about the Giotto Challenge, and we revealed the winner of the Giotto Challenge. Now, unfortunately, there was a little bit of weird echoing sound going on with the recording, and we couldn't hear it until afterward. We had some issues with some technical difficulties, but everything came back together, uh, and the conversation is just so good that I decided just to leave it. So there was a little bit of echoing, but otherwise, it's a great conversation, and we hope you enjoy. Hey guys, hey welcome guys, back welcome to the Art of Craftsmanship podcast. My name is Dustin O'Hara, and I'm here with my brother and co-host, Evan. Hello. And we are joined by two awesome knife makers and also participants in the knife making uh, YouTube challenge, Giotto challenge, Dennis Tyrell and Aaron Lee. Hey guys. Hey guys. Hey, hey, hey. All right, Devin, what do you got for us? Very bright was that sword when it was made whole again. The light of the sun shone redly in it, and the light of the moon shone cold. Its edge was hard and keen. All right. Any guesses? Uh, no. It sounds like Lord of the Rings. 300. <laughs> it, it, it is it is Lord of the Rings. Yeah, right. like, yeah. The last sentence is, and Aragorn gave it a new name and called it Andril Flame of the West. Now, I wanted to do a, a, a I guess, a fictional quote, I guess, or a, like from a story. And I was look, you know, there's there's so many popular ones like, you know, Excalibur, and and, and go through all that. And but I wanted to talk about. Not only where you guys got your inspiration from, whether it's from like a real thing, like family members who had knives, or like a lot of people, was it from either pop culture or reading stories or things like Lord of the Rings and um, you talk about samurai interest, sam- interest in what? knife making and sword making. And right, sword right, making. Yeah. yeah. So, so and the quote is just a. I feel like that's one of the, you know, pop pop cultures where a lot of people get their interest in blades um, and obviously Lord of the Rings and then the movies. I think that was the first time I had ever seen people make knives was like the behind the scenes of Lord of the Rings watching, watching, watching Weta Workshop do, you know, thousands of blades. Right. Yeah. 
and like all different versions too like you know prop blades but then steel ones and like what are they called the hero the hero, the hero uh, for the blades, right the ones that, for the close-ups and stuff yeah that's cool. so yeah um dennis and aaron what, what i guess what was your first memory that got you like inspired to start to make swords was it was it fiction or or some type of reality Dennis you want to lead this one sure for me you know I, I did a lot of you know geeked out when I was a teen did the whole Dungeons and Dragons and Lord of the Rings and all of that so I could totally relate to all of that and that's that's probably where I got most of my interest was from you know that kind of stuff hmm I would say that mine came more from a an, a life of growing up in a hunting style family where we would go out and provide for the family and we would use these knives as tools. And uh, the natural progression in knife making for me led to, you know, building swords and things in the fantasy realm. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, you did a, um, a 300 sword, right? I did. That was the 300. pretty cool. <laughs> that, that's actually how Aaron and I met. Oh, nice. It is. Yep. <laughs> we'll talk about that one. That's uh, that's that's funny that you mentioned that. Yeah. yeah what what, ha what happened? How did you guys meet? Aaron had just I just saw Aaron's um, three hundred sword, and it was the week that I was going to release my version of the same weapon. <laughs> I'm like, dude. Oh, okay. you, no, no, it was good because it's like, dude, you, that's awesome. You did the same, and I reached out to him, and that's kind of how we met, quote unquote. Even though we've right. never physically met, right? Yeah. YouTube, that, yes. Yeah. Social media Social met, media. yeah, yeah. And then we started talking from there on, and we've kind of been friends for I don't know, long time, almost a year now. Yeah. Well, Dennis, when you reached out to me over the sword, and you let me know that our channels were aligned in content. I jumped over to your channel and I was absolutely instantaneously blown away with your work. So, oh, thanks, man. That's awesome. <laughs> and yeah, and I, um, I, I heard heard about both of you through the Work for It podcast, Brian House. Like, you know, comments and things, and he would be like, and you know, with all of the questions they reach out to social media and they read off people's stuff. Like, I'd heard of both of you that way. Um, which is pretty interesting. So then, Aaron, when you originally reached out, um, I would say it's it's really funny because I was listening to uh, the Work for a Podcast today, and they were talking a lot about um, how this like trickle down effect. However, one thing happens into another thing, and then you know somebody meets somebody, and it rolls and rolls, and then you can kind of blossom from there. And um, I had met Brian because he reached out to us to ask if we wouldn't mind if we he used our pattern for the knife talk build along back in early 2020 um and so i was more than happy to send it to him and he was doing a build along video with his boys and stuff and doing making knives that way so we started talking that way and then uh then he ended up sending us a grinder one of the um you know his revolution grinders and then we ended up then he he because he was following along with the knife talk uh, build along, he was talking to Craig Lockwood and then got his started his podcast in the maker network, which is then he recommended that, you know, Craig reach out to us to see if we wanted to start a podcast. So it's really crazy how all these things come together. And now it's almost a year later, we're like two or three episodes away from our, you know, one year, uh, 
when you're all the way around it's pretty crazy so it's a, it's a fun it's a fun way that all these people meet and now what you guys did which i think is awesome um shows that you can really reach out to a broad community of makers and really do lots of uh you know really bring in lots of people into this fold of, of a community of knife making and you know going from small channels all the way up to the biggest channel blackbeard you know projects where he's got almost two million subs- two main subscribers it's pretty crazy that's correct yeah 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 there's um i wanted to D- dust do you want to do a uh we did the intro but a little bit more for both of them before we yeah. continue on Sure, sure. Let's do that. So, uh, so those of you who are listening, we are talking to Aaron Lee uh, from Ailey Knives on YouTube. He's a knife maker, sword maker, does leather work, does some tool restorations. And the one thing that I love about your channel, Aaron, is that you do amazing stuff by hand. You know, like a lot of what you do with all this like uh, pattern and forge welded steels and sand mai and all that, you're doing it by hand, which is really impressive. And it's actually inspired me to be like, oh. You know, I've been thinking for a while, like, it'd be fun to try a few things like that by hand, but, you know, there's all these things, you know, just different things, but, you know, watching you do it's really impressive. So, that's Aaron. Thank you. Aaron, you're welcome. <laughs> and then we're also joined by uh, Dennis Tyrell, and Dennis is a part-time bladesmith. Um, I love that you said on your, like, you're about in YouTube that you were inspired by uh, Forge and Fire, like so many of us have been over the years, and so much fun to watch those guys. And as as much as it's put on, you still get to see these real people forging in a in a space. So, um, bladesmith, uh, I love that you like balled a welder, started building your own tools. Now you get you have a power or press and a power hammer, and then and now you're making some like awesome mosaic pattern Damascus. It's just it's crazy like how fast you guys have both. I mean especially down of seeing like what you've grown over that short amount of time is just really awesome. So, so, uh, Aaron Lee and Dennis Tyrell, thank you guys so much for joining us. Awesome. Oh, our pleasure. It's, uh, it's been an amazing ride this last year. Um, and I, I know Aaron and I have both, I think progressed so far in the craft that, uh, it's, uh, it's funny where we've come from and where we're at now. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's super, super impressive, and impressive. like I said, just, like I said, just watching, watching everyone, everyone um, grow in this grow field, in this field and, and you know, our, our channel our is channel was never was meant never to be meant like a knife making channel, channel, but when we made our first yeah, video, which was a knife making video, and it it took off really well, we were like, okay, well, that's obviously something we're gonna come back to pretty often, but <laughs> we still like to like mix it up with some other stuff. But it was like, it's just people love knife making videos, right? And so YouTube loves knife making, and it's it's definitely got uh it, it it helps you to move forward and want to keep doing those type of things when you have other people behind you and encouraging you and the comments usually are pretty good and you know it's it's just a fun uh, a fun community to be a part of and you know i think that's one of the things i love about youtube but the knife making community on youtube as well is that everyone's just like super excited about doing it and they do different stuff and um and very encouraging is cool that's, that's the key, the key right, right there, there in this community it's amazing as a knife maker <clears throat> i made knives for several years and i was a lone soldier you know here in kansas i didn't know anybody else in the craft and then i started the channel and it opened my my eyes to all these incredible creators out there that i get to talk to and you know 
come up with new ideas and plans and different things like that. And YouTube has just been just what a wonderful platform. Right. And one of the things that I think I'm sure that we can all agree on the same thing is that by putting yourself out there in the YouTube, you're, you also push yourself to do different things and better things and keep pushing because when you're creating the content, you want to, make something make new something and exciting new for and exciting your viewers, viewers you know and your followers and stuff so, stuff, so it makes you get excited about trying something new and that's the one that totally. we've always pushed is like if i'm going to try something new i might as well try it while everyone's watching and reach out and say hey what am i doing wrong help me out and then you get all that flood of you know the like positive reinforcement rather than if you just do it and you do something wrong but you don't say you don't know what you're doing then you get lots of negative stuff <laughs> exactly I air all my mistakes real time. Yeah. <laughs> Same here. And w w when I started my channel or a year and a half ago, I didn't start it because I thought it was going to be like a thing that would take off. I, st I started the channel thinking it would help me sell knives. Now I only make knives and do projects for YouTube. Like it is totally flipped. YouTube is the focus. I want new stuff every week for YouTube. Mm -hmm. So that is driving me more than anything. <laughs> That's great. And are you doing, so you're, are you still making, so, so are you making for clients? Are you taking orders? Are you make, are you making stuff and then selling what you make? I, I, I've done a couple of custom orders and I, I do not take, um, custom orders anymore. I will, I want to do what I want to do. I don't have the time to be do like, you know, doing what other people want. I'll do what I want and then sell it. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so, so basically, basically when people approach me for a custom order, if it's something that falls in line with what I want to do on the channel, I might accept the challenge. But, you know, you need to keep your content fresh, so I can't make a knife that I've already made on the channel in the last couple months because it would be duplicate content. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. It's like, I mean, a lot of the guys, what, um, AA Knives, he, uh, yeah, he just does his batch and then goes, because he's got such a good social media platform, Here's what's for sale. Take it or leave it. And he sells out, you know, in no time, all, all the yeah. time. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, obviously that's the difference between a full-time professional knife maker and, you know, con more like people who are who are geared more toward content creation. You know, that's, right. AA Knives isn't doing content. You know, he's making knives and, and he's taking orders as well. But, you know, that's like, you don't, you don't. When you're when you're trying to feed your family off of it, you do what you got to do to make sure you you know you have the money coming in, right? But that's that's one of those things that not 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 a lot of knife makers have that you know the pleasure of being able to make what they want all the time, and by coming in at this angle, I think you know coming in at it from the YouTube angle first and then making knives, you can do kind of what you want, and people are gonna you have so many people watching that people are going to want to buy the knives that you make. Pretty much, almost no exactly. matter what. Exactly. When when I did the uh, the the journey knife and said, you know, something that I'm going to be making small batches of, I had tons of people who were like, "Let me know when it's ready, I'll buy one." So I knew that I'd be able to like sell once I did it. But then even that, still, it's like, well now now I got to make you know eight or ten of the same knife, and when do I have free time to do that? You know, it's yeah. like, I still want to do it, but at least I know that I could do it when I want to. You know, and like. Cause I'm not relying on it to feed my family. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, the reason we have you guys on and you guys came on and, and is we all did, well, we 
our channels. We did the um, the Gyoto Knife Challenge, Maker Challenge, um, and you two started. And I saw that you guys had done a challenge before. So was that the was that where it came from? You guys had so much fun off of that that you decided to spread it out. How did um, yeah? I guess how did you guys decide to do this ten person uh, Maker Challenge? Well, that's exactly how it started. Dennis reached out to me and said, hey, you know, let's do a collaboration. And then we kind of settled upon doing a challenge with each other. And uh, he started the Wolf Tooth Damascus Challenge. That was the first one where he created a beautiful pattern, Wolf Tooth Damascus. And he sent me a billet graciously. And uh, we were both to make a knife out of the same piece of steel. And he won it. <laughs> it wasn't voted. so. <laughs> but, but it was such an amazing experience. You know, it got me to thinking. I said, hey, Dennis, we, we should do this again. And Dennis also did another challenge with another YouTuber. Who was that, Dennis? Um, Dave uh, Irving from Evader Knives. There you oh, go. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Nice. So, so then you guys so, decided, yeah, yeah, so you decided after that to try to spread it out and see how many how many people you can get on well aaron i think is the mastermind like it's like aaron's the sales guy and i'm the engineer like <laughs> he's the one that reached out to everyone did the like he had the connections and reached out to everyone and originally was it started at three and he said hey why don't we try to get like you know green beetle and you know aoc and brian and i'm like Come on, really? You think those guys are going to join our little challenge? And he's the man. He made it happen. And, well, uh, you know, it can't hurt to ask. Yeah, right. People yeah, exactly. can only say no, but people can also say yes. And we wanted to create a community. You know, the, the Slack channel that we created, that's been the best part of this challenge has been being able to talk to the all the YouTube creators behind the scenes. I've gathered so much insight and friendships all of a sudden. It's It's been just absolutely incredible incredible yeah, yeah. i agree 100 that's, that's, that's been super cool, super cool. and i mean, I mean you, know, you know i would say I would my say channel my being channel the middle of the group, of the group kind of in this our channel, channel being the size, the, size the middle of the group, group you know having like blackbeard black and green beetle and um and uh and far away forge and then you know redbeard uh, we have this like great range of of content creators who are just are just people you know, it's just like people who have been in the game a little bit longer or a little bit less time, you know, and, 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 you know, I think, I think really the, I don't know, it's like the, there's no magic recipe to do well on YouTube. It's just, you just keep doing it. You know, you stay consistent and you kind of, you kind of feel out your community and do what you want to do. And it's just some people, like I said, are further down the line. They've been doing it for longer. And so they have more people following them and watching them and, it, it's but yeah, they're all just still people just we found that out a little bit with you know with having this podcast and same thing it was like well we can always just reach out to people all they can say is no but most of them say sure or say oh that sounds cool let me look into it i'll get back to you you know it's it's a pretty awesome uh way to reach out to people and that what you guys did with starting the slack group was super awesome because then it was really like oh now this is just real people in real time talking to each other about knife stuff and about you know content creation content and then creation, asking questions, questions and getting other people's opinions on you know what we're thinking for just all just of the stuff all the stuff, all stuff that we all think about all the time on our own we could all do it together with these other really awesome makers super cool 
Right. And we all have our very own unique styles and approaches to making these pieces of art. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Every knife was a great reflection of the channel. Like you, Keaton's knife, fairway for like when I saw his knife, I thought, man, that is perfect for his channel. Like or, or I, Red Beard Ops, you red, know. What same I mean? thing. Like yeah. everyone's knife was like really like you could see the channel in the knife almost. So I thought it was really cool. Yeah, except for uh, Keaton is a cheater because his knife is way outside the boundaries of the challenge. <laughs> well, we didn't really give any boundaries. That was that, that was the thing. This isn't forged in fire here, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. we're not winning any money. We're just this is for fun. I was talking to Brian at Blade, and uh, he was saying, "Yeah, we should make a big deal out of Keaton's knife being too big for the competition, and like pretending <laughs> like it was a big deal. We were going to kick him out or something like that." And we didn't, but it was a little too late at that point. <laughs> it's already been released. Yeah, right. They're like, "Whoa, whoa!" I know he did like he even put it up kind of late. He was like, "All right, here it is. Here's what I got." It was like a week yeah. before the competition. Well, whoa, two for knife. Come on. The best, the best shows and competitions always have a little drama thrown in. So I mean, we. Could always start that, <laughs> and I think that's what Brian was trying to do: is just start a little yeah. fun drama. But yeah. yeah, I mean, if we would have known we could have done anything, I mean, we would have changed our type of knife. It's just not cool what he did. <laughs> I did. Uh, I did comment on his video, like just a little bit about that, and there have been some other people who have commented on my comment and be like, "Yeah, his tang is ten inches long." <laughs> like, it's just it's just fun, you know. But yeah, it was exactly like you said. Everyone had such a fun way of going about it, um, and everyone did it. Yeah, that was a great thing. Is that there was no pressure to do something that was outside of what you would normally do. And because we reached out to a bunch of knife makers, we, we all make knives anyway. So, all right, now now we have a reason to try to do something that's interesting and maybe stands out a little different. That's what, what we did with our knife was to, you know, I I, I wasn't going to do Damascus. You know, I don't I don't have like my forge is fine, but but it's still not a great forge and and it's. I could probably do Damascus, but I really gotta I gotta put some work into it so it can really heat up and get the steel that hot. But um, yeah, you know, I knew I wanted to do something, so I was like, well, I have I have this, so let's show like this process of going through some blacksmithing and and drawing some stuff out, and then going down and then doing some design work and coming up with what I want to do for the shape, and then trimming it down and then grinding it. So it was a little bit of kind of everything, and walk people through the process of how you could do something like that. And then ours was just, let me make it a little bit more geometric and do that kind of geometric shape along with the the horn handle. So it was like, what could we do that was a little different, but also um, not super far out of the realm of what we would have done anyway. But it was it was definitely different because that was by far the quickest video we've ever put out. We've, we've done and produced and put out. Even though we are the last ones to finish, we we waited and we we. We just did not give ourselves enough time. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, we have like two weeks and we both have to work half that time anyway. Right. So we really, uh, we crunched, we got it out, but. Yeah, oh, was, I feel you. That, that was record for us. Yeah. So I, I accidentally put myself into that position. Dennis and I decided to do this challenge and we got it all set up and we got commitments from everybody. We launched the timeline and then I got a job traveling to Louisiana for over a month holy cow so i left home and lived in an rv for a month 
<laughs> and when I came home, my anniversary week, and then it just literally, I had seven days to make this knife. Holy cow. That's, that's I had so seven days to make the knife, and then four days in, I ruined it and had to start over. <laughs> So there's there's a free disaster story for everybody. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, you know, all right, okay, fair enough. I thought ours was bad enough just during two weeks, but you take it, Aaron. It was, it was super yeah. difficult. I was highly so, stressed. So, Aaron, so I want to actually have both of you guys tell us about the, the knife and how, you know, what you went through to make it, like I said earlier, because we talked, you know, everyone has seen the videos, the other knife makers know the stories, but not all of us, not everyone, everyone that's listening is also interested. We've talked about ours. So Aaron, can you talk a little bit about your, the, the story of you making the knife and then Dennis, what you tell yours as well? Absolutely. So I kind of touched off a little bit with my time frame, and I decided that I wanted to do a San Mai because I've got several videos in a series of how to simply create San Mai steel. So the first billet that I did, I actually forged out my bevels. Well, it's a three-part laminated steel, so when I ground it, you couldn't see the San Mai pattern at all because it forged the outer cladding down to a point. Mm. So, so like effectively, just, if you got some, it'd be right on the edge or at all. Right. I, I had a mono steel knife, you know, and it wasn't the look that I was going for at all. So look forward to seeing that uh, knife build on my channel down the road. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I, that's why. It. I never forge sand mites for that reason. I always stock removal once they're done. I get so many comments, negative comments about how I don't forge my knives to shape when I do billets <laughs> like that. That I thought, well, I'll go ahead and try to appease everybody here and I'll slightly forge these bevels in. So four days in, I cut this knife and, and I ground it out and I polished it and I threw it in the etchant tank and realized this is not at all what I wanted. Yeah. And I sat down, you know, that Wednesday with my wife and I said, what am I going to do? This is the challenge that I put off and I'm not happy with it. And she goes, well, you know what you got to do? Go back out and forge another one. So I went out to the shop that night and I worked till two in the morning and I forged another billet out. And, uh, and, and this one, I made a, a pretty healthy, massive mistake on also. I decided that I was going to grind a fuller and I used a small wheel and the fuller blew through the, the metal, the center. So, so here I am with my second knife on, you know, I've got two days left for the, before I have to submit a picture and, uh, and I didn't know what to do. So I just threw it in the milling machine and I milled a slot where the, the fuller was and I ran with it. You know, I turned, uh, lemons into lemonade. Yeah. I was, I, it's funny. It's funny you're saying that. I almost assumed that's what happened. You know, I was like, hmm. And, and like, I didn't, I didn't really, I actually, I wasn't sure, you know, when you first showed the pictures, I was like, dang, that's crazy. Like, it's awesome. Like the fuller is a whole missing slot. But then I had this in mind. I was like, I wonder if that was an accident. And then, uh, and then I waited for the video and you just like glossed right over the fact, like not talking at all about the, the like, hole in the middle and like oh yeah it was definitely an accident <laughs> oh it's it totally awesome. an accident i, I really wish so that i would have uh brought an emphasis to I, I i didn't have footage of when i actually blew through and i should have used that because it would have kept the audience retention in the video a little bit longer yeah yeah, uh, yeah you could have you could have done what Was Dennis the, does too, where you get like the bleeping sounds, bleep, 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 bleep. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and this is how you don't do it. <laughs> oh. 
but so, no, but but that's how I wrapped it up. You know, it's it, it was a it was a great challenge. I was able to create a product. I think the San Mai pattern came out absolutely beautiful. You know, it, it would have been really nice if if the fuller had worked out. But you know what? It it worked out in the end. I had a great knife. I was proud of it, and uh, you know that's all that matters in the end. Yeah, I mean that's uh, you can't get any better than releasing food than you know no steel at all. So <laughs> it'll work perfectly for oh, its purpose. You should have you should have seen the comments about. Uh, uh, a potato peeler, a knuckle grater, all these different comments about chefs, you know, talking about using that knife. It's pretty hilarious. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, me too. It was awesome. Yeah, when you showed the picture, I was like, that's so crazy. Look, I love it. That's awesome. Especially the one you looking through the uh, slot in the knife. That was the, <laughs> <Yep>. the best one. <laughs> yeah. I actually thought that that picture would get me a better click through rate, but what I found out is uh, knife makers in general look at those. YouTube pictures of YouTubers' faces is kind of, uh, I don't know, I guess it puts them off a little, so. Well, there's definitely more non-knife makers than there are knife makers on YouTube, so I think right. you shot for the right crowd. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> That's crazy. So, uh, um, so what about your, like, your handle and stuff? Is that, was that, you kind of had that, like, idea for the handle, what you were going to do, like, the wasp? Oh, no, no, no. I, I'm the kind of builder where I, you know, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know what the knife's going to be until it's done. You know, as I work through it, I see the shape of the knife. I didn't have a handle design. I didn't have the shape of it thought out until the blade was finished. And, uh, you know, just kind of the Bob Ross feel. Let's put a little color there and let's put a happy little you know dot here and that's awesome <laughs> happy little handle here exactly exactly you know and and you i like to let the materials talk to me as i'm working with them you know i open up my handle material chest and i hold the knife up and i look at what colors you know might work well on it and and that's really how i like to go through the creative process in my shop i i hardly ever draw a knife before I start. That's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. It's. I think when uh, when I'm planning for a video, or if I have an idea in my head for a knife, I will do a decent amount of prep work, just like on my own because it's exciting. So I was like, start drawing it out. I'll come up with you know five or six different design ideas, and and I'll start planning it out before I go ahead. But when I'm like. Occasionally I'll head out to the smithy now or when it was, you know, down in my shop and I would just start playing, you know, just put a piece of steel into the forge and start forging or shaping a knife, just something that looks nice in my hand. It has like nothing, no pre-planning ahead of time. And I think if you can do both of those things together, I think that's great. And I love that. That's how you do it. That's, that's, you know, it's funny you say that because I think the secret that I'm not telling you is if I do do a blueprint, I can almost never make it like what I drew. <laughs> so I might, I might be cheating myself here a little. <laughs> I, I did have somebody, somebody commented on ours. It was like, and they were like, Oh, this is so great. I'm so glad you're going to forge out your knife. You know, I've, I've been waiting for you to do all forge knife. And then, five minutes later he's like never mind i take it back you didn't forge out the blade you still did stock removal i was like dang right oh the old forged versus stock removal debate that that one drives me up a wall we we constantly talk about how far back do you have to go to get credit for the thing you make do i have to make the steel 
Do I have to <laughs> dig minerals out of the ground? Do I have to chop down the tree? What, where do you where do you stop? Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Dennis, can you tell us a little bit about your uh, about your knife? I know, like, obviously, I'm hoping that everyone that is listening, if you guys, if you were listening and you haven't watched these knife making videos yet, go out and watch them, especially Dennis and Aaron, because they were kind of the the starters and the founders of this challenge. But check them all out. But Dennis, can you tell us a little bit about your about your knife, man? Sure. Well, there was there was three parts that uh, I knew I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to make mosaic Damascus, uh, and on my channel, most of what I do is different kinds of Damascus and making knives out of those. So I knew it was going to be mosaic. I knew it was going to have an integral bolster, and I wanted that through tang where it kind of screwed the handle to the, to the knife. So those are the three aspects that I started with. And of course, things never end up like exactly like you envision, but, uh, <laughs> I had a little issue with the mosaic and through my own fault, the, the welding screwed up a little bit. So it ended up being a mosaic on the top and a twist on the bottom, but you know, it all worked out in the end, I think. So let me ask you a little bit about that because I saw that happen. And my first thought was, Oh, just let it cool and then tack weld it back and try again. Um, is there a reason why you didn't do that? Um, at that point, you know, as soon you know, it looked like, oh yeah, he welded it at the end in that little clip. But when I took it out, I just yeah. I felt like I would have had to break that off, which meant the whole billet was going to cool, and it was the first weld. So I don't think I, you know, I didn't want to let that cool and then risk oxidation between every layer. So I just felt like, you know, I, I'm just going to take that layer off. I'll do it. I'll do something else with it and um, and merge it together at some other point. Is was my thinking right then when it happened. Gotcha. gotcha. Okay. okay. All right. So continue. Sorry. <laughs> you know, and knife. I feel. I always feel like knife making is just a series of problems that you need to solve, and <laughs> and this is one of them. Um, but it went really well, and and you know, it never. It didn't come out exactly as I wanted. I think I overforged the mosaic a little bit. Um, I wanted to show, you know, hammer work at the anvil, and but I think I probably should have. Um, not hammered it out quite as much and I wouldn't have lost the pattern a bit, but you know, I, I, again, I was happy with it. Um, the one aspect of that knife is it's super, super thin. Like you can flex it almost like a, like a fillet knife. Um, so I was really happy with that. Um, but, uh, it came out nice. I was happy with it. Nice. That's, yeah. It's awesome. I, I mean, I really like, uh, the pattern, you know, without, I mean, obviously I looked at your knife, you know, I looked at everybody's knives before the challenge came out and I wouldn't have guessed that there was like, and, and I mean, and I'm, I'm obviously not a Damascus maker, so I'm not super familiar with the pattern. And, and I, you know, as someone who doesn't make it, I can't just look at it right away and be like, Oh, that looks different. You know, it's not something I've seen before. Um, but the way that the edge, you know, after seeing the video and then seeing, you know, knowing you twisted and put that on the edge, I can see that, but it doesn't seem like it's, out of place. Like it still works really well with that pattern. I just think it looks beautiful. It turned out really awesome. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And it was, and I was kicking myself because even in the video, when I did the twist, I didn't twist it as many times as I wanted to. So there's, you know, there's all kinds of things, you know, that always happen. And, but it actually, you're right. It actually did turn out that it meshed well with the mosaic. It didn't look out of place. Yeah. So, so maybe that was a lucky accident. I don't know. Nice. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, you're, do you have, uh, 
uh, for your integral bolster, do you have a like a, a jig to do that? Or are you doing that by hand, doing all your grinding for your integral? Um, I ended up getting um, uh, the integrated bolster grinding attachment from, uh, from yeah. Broadbeck, and that's what I use. So that's great attachment. I loved it. And he has actually went a little too crazy on okay. that. He got it a little too <laughs> thin. Like so he, he lost. But, um, that's what <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, he went out. Really he's got a broad, I believe he's got the Broadbeck grinder with the oh, jig. Okay. Yeah, that nice. Yeah, that's yeah. I've seen a few people use that. It's so nice. Um, yeah, I, I th I'm actually thinking about building one of those jigs for my grinder. It looks like a pretty uh, fairly simple jig to set up. Yeah, it's the same thing. I was thinking. I've I've seen a few people use them, and I've I've done a, a little bit of uh, integral um, forging just because you know it's 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 another thing that I can do that's a little different than just the the normal forging. So um, I had thought about that as well thinking about you know using a small wheel attachment and setting up something with the platen and just have it so it rolls off the edge exactly the exactly yeah. you know kyle royer if you look at how he does it he's grinding his bevel flats with a jig like that he's got a flat platen that lays um horizontally coming up to the first top wheel of his grinder and then he runs he, he runs the blade uh up that platen lengthways rather than grinding like i do i grind on a on a vertical platen left to right. right and he grinds the full length of the blade all the way up huh. through his grits really huh yeah it's really interesting how he does it and the platen that he uses the uh the 2 by 72 belt just drops right over the edge of the platen like a waterfall there's no actual wheel to oh. to for the the abrasive to go over and then he just radius the edge of the platen to get the you know the inside corner in that uh ricasso right. area nice yeah that's um i forget who i was watching i forget which video it was but you know i was i understood the use of the the um the jig to do the radius on the integral bolster but then i was seeing someone else do that as well just using it like same thing running the blade the lengthways of the actual platen and i was like huh, that's odd it's not something i've ever seen before and it was like right interesting. i was like huh you know i guess if you're going to do your hand sanding that way anyway you might as well you know <laughs> like why not run the belt that way too you do have to <laughs> use brand new belts to do that because if you uh, if you use an older belt you'll start to see artifacts in the belt you know where you get grooves and things and then if you're trying to run it you know, lengthways on your blade, it's, it's not going to sand evenly. So, you know, right. it's, I've probably got 40 belts hanging on my wall. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. You know, uh, it's, man, it's, yeah. I was, uh, I was running through belts and actually throughout the middle of the, um, during, during grinding, my, my motor kept tripping the breaker. Like I have, I don't have a great electric in my shop. And so I do have like a, a single circuit running, that uh the grinder area right now and it's it kept tripping my you know my um the surge protect that i had so i actually switched over to the 2 by 42 and uh and it would just and it was working better because it wasn't um it wasn't uh stopping it wasn't stopping it wasn't tripping the breaker so that's why i was using the 2 by 42 as well sorry dennis is back with us we, i was kind of i was mess messaging him at the same time sorry about that i don't know what's going on the internet gods are not with me today okay. <laughs> not with anyone apparently hey we're gonna keep on going through it i'll tell you this is like a hundred times better than what we had when we had clay hayes on bow maker clay hayes mm. we took we went jump through all sorts of hoops to get his work to get all of ours working that night but 
Yeah, no, you're good. Um, so Dennis, right before you left, I was asking you about your, uh, the, um, the jig to do the integral bolster grinding. And we, you know, Aaron was telling me a little bit about that. You do have the Broadbeck, uh, you put the Broadbeck jig. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. I got the Broadbeck jig knowing I was going to make that for this project. Um, went and got that and it's nice. Love it. I actually got a little too happy with it when I was doing it. And that's why the knife was so thin, but, uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> but it was, it's a great attachment. Uh, I really advise it for someone doing bolsters like that. Right on. Yeah. I think, um, who else I saw got it specifically? I think it was uh, John Nagel from Nagel Haas Forge. He was talking about the, the the attachment as well, which is really nice. Nice, that's awesome, man. So um, yeah, we were just we were chatting a little bit more while we were waiting for you to pop back in, just about that and about um, how you know we thought about I've thought about and so has Aaron about making that uh, attachment, but just kind of doing it impromptu with like small wheels and, and the flat platen that we already have. Had you thought about that? Or, I mean, obviously the attachment they make is going to be like key and it's going to do exactly what you want to do, but, uh, yeah. is, it, is it that much better than what you could have done on your own? Um, you know, it gets to the point where do you spend time making tools or do you spend time making knives yeah. and, mm. you know, it's always that struggle. And for me, I, th yeah. I think it was, I think it was like 300 bucks or something like that. So it wasn't like breaking the bank or anything. And I was kind of, I knew I wanted it for this knife. So I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to buy it and, uh, and, and have it. Right. Yeah. That's no, that's, that's definitely a reasonable price. I was thinking it was more. Than yeah. That. Especially if you can sell the one, you know, the one thing you make and make your money back off a tool. That's a, that's a great deal. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's my thinking too. <laughs> But you could have made a YouTube video about how to make it. <laughs> right. I know. The next challenge. That's like Redbeard, Ten man. people. Like James Keaton. He, uh, he just made made his own heat treating oven. I was like, damn, that's a lot of work. But you know, that's a good uh, a good YouTube video. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. awesome. All right. Um, that uh, real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Dennis, that uh, the blue um, maple burl. Was that, uh, did you have planned for that beforehand? And the little, the end, the tang, the tang pin or the screw. Yeah. The, the, did, all that stuff was awesome. The pommel nut was, was planned. The, like what Aaron said, I opened up the wood drawer and actually I took, I took four pieces of wood to my wife and I said, which one do you like? And normally I don't use the one that she says, but this time I did. <laughs> You're like, I just need somebody to tell me something that I can realize that I don't like now that I know why. <laughs> yeah. I was debating on green or blue or whatever, but I ended up on that one and I was happy with that choice. Right on. Did you, uh, did you weld in like an extension to do the pommel nut or did you just use the end of the tank? I actually, <laughs> um, I, I didn't have enough tang, so I actually left the tang pretty large and I actually drilled a hole in the tang, put all thread, put a, there's a, you may, if you see it at the glue up, but there's about a three inch piece of all thread that's threaded into the tang and then the nut is threaded onto that. Oh, nice. Oh, so you left the tang thick so you could actually thread it into the tang. Exactly. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, he mentioned in the in the beginning of the video that he had an interesting attachment method for the pommel. Right. Nut, <laughs> That's right. Which I thought yeah. was genius because it really kept you watching all the way to the end so you could see that <laughs> that method, you know. <laughs> I have a really awesome way to sharpen this knife. Don't miss it. No one's it. ever done it this way before. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I think I got the most comments on 
putting the diagrams of the Damascus as I was doing it so people oh, could yeah. see. Everyone seemed to love that. And I've done that on videos before. So I'm going to keep doing it, definitely. Yeah, it's it's always yeah. it's interesting after the video is done. Sometimes the stuff you think people are going to talk about, they don't. And the things you haven't even thought about, they do. It's like in, in our video, Dustin was reaching in to get some a spray can to do to uh, to yeah. make a um uh what, what do you call it just the to spray to do yeah to do the masks so i could do the uh yeah like uh layout fluid right oh, yes. some so i'm just i'm just yeah. rolling i'm like all right dust i'll get a shot of you getting the cans out and he walks over and i'm just rolling and he picks one up and it it's not it doesn't spray it doesn't spray. and then he picks up another one and it doesn't spray and he picks up another one takes a pop top off and it doesn't spray and finally he grabs one and he walks away and i was like ah, i'll keep that in that's kind of funny like it's <laughs> just something I could have just trimmed because it ended up being like a 20 second clip, which, you know, we don't normally do necessarily unless Dustin's talking, but everyone talked about that. They had a, a lot of uh, thoughts on what he should do with his spray cans. <laughs> they did. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And it was, yeah, there were a bunch of comments on that. It's so true. Cause when I make a mistake, like in, in a recent build, the build I just posted Sunday, like I'm actually swearing in the build when I screw something up and everyone comments on that part. Like they think that part is hilarious yeah. when I'm yelling or whatever. And yeah, yeah it, it's the funny parts that, you know, you don't think about it at the time, but those, that's the gold. Yeah. I was watching, um, well, I'm a fan of Mythbusters, but I was a big fan of Tested too. We talk about them all the time on this channel, but um, or this podcast. Adam Savage was talking about in the first season or two, they would skip over their mistakes, and they would just all right edit that out. We'll just go on, and then I think they left some in, and people responded so well that was his lesson to go. Oh, people want to see the mistakes, and it's it's totally true. It, it maybe you're a little embarrassed at the time, but it makes for such better content and it makes the content connect to the people watching it even better. Right. Totally agree. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that we always have got comments on and even still now is, you know, the type of tools that I use in the shop. It's just like, uh, you know, years and years of accumulated tools and I have tools from Harbor Freight and I have tools from, you know, I have, I have a whole range of tools and people really like that because they're like, Oh, these are tools that everyone has. They feel like I can do what you do because I have these tools. And obviously that's not stopping me from getting better tools and, you know, doing, you know, kind of growing as I grow as a knife maker and a, and a craftsman. But, um, I, I, we are, we realized early on that that was something that connected people was that humanity, like something that they could be like, Oh, I'm just like that. You know, Oh, I can try that. You know, mm. or I could do that. Or this guy's making mistakes too. Or, you know, like we're all going to screw up at some point. And you know, that's just, I think that definitely connects us to, uh, yeah, to the viewers and to other, you know, creative people. Yeah. And I think that you can still be an authority in, in your field and, and at the same time, still show your mistakes. You know I mean? We're all human. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make you know, we just don't see all the mistakes that people make because not everyone who's doing you know the things like are the people that we uh, are our idols in whatever we do and we make, they're not they're not always showing everything they do. And so and they haven't you haven't seen the years and years of them making mistakes to get to a point where they 
now make less mistakes, but they st- everyone still makes the mistakes, you know, <laughs> just uh, you just how you just know how to get around them better and, and you know how to narrow down, you know, where your mistake came and how you can kind of get past it because you've done it before. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like uh, Stanley Kubrick famously would take like 50 takes per shot. So even one of the masters of film would uh, take 50 goes at it before he got what he liked. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Wait, so another thing that a lot of people don't yeah. realize is that 10 minute video um, that they're watching so, on YouTube took me six or seven hours worth of video <laughs> to, you know, to oh, trim yeah. it down to the <laughs> yeah, 10 right. minutes that they watch. I constantly have people tell me, well, you hit that billet 10 times more on one side than the other. And it's like, I, I cut out like an hour of forging. <laughs> <laughs> you think you saw it all? Yeah. I'm a real master. <laughs> isn't that, exactly. Isn't that the balance though? What what to leave on the cutting room floor and what to put in the video right. is the, you know, the pacing right. of the video is right. the key. Yeah, we, we joke a lot that, or, or we joke that the further along in, in, in our videos, the quicker the pace goes because I get, I get, oh man, I'm at 20 minutes. All right, this has to take like four shots. Okay, this is going to take four shots. So as we go along, everything gets quicker and quicker. It's good for the speed or the pace of the video because it never slows down. It just gets faster and faster until you hit the end. But that's just because I'm like, man, this is going to be a 50-minute video if we don't start <laughs> speeding stuff up here. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I got to say, look, watching your video, the, the what I'm thinking half the time is I'm so envious that you guys have a separate guy doing the video than the guy doing the project. Oh my goodness. Yes. Oh, <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, I, I really, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I really like uh, Eric's channel, the river's experience because he breaks each knife build up into multiple episodes so that he can go in depth with eat with each little procedure that he's doing for his viewers. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's definitely something I think we, we don't do that. We, we kind of, we decided early on that we wanted to do full length videos because we both were the mindset that we weren't like, we weren't huge fans of having to go back and find, you know, part one, part two, part three. But if in a situation like Eric has for the rivers experience, he's same thing, right? He's a, He's a knife making channel. So you're going to have people who, you know, after you build up some, you build up a community, people are watching, they're going to want to watch each one. Mm-hmm. And then they know that they can go back and see these little parts. Um, that's one of the things that we've thought about. We did it. We did a few times in videos where we went back in and we tagged different parts of the video in the description. So that way people could go in and find those specific things that they wanted because our videos are so long. But right. that's the thing, right? They, you can focus. Like if you do in those parts, then you can focus on those little bits and really like get into those things that are pretty specific. And then someone might go and find that. Like I'm looking for this about this specific thing in knife making. I want to know how to do this and then you know find a specific video on that. Well, yeah. yeah, more so of a teaching and learning style channel versus an entertainment style channel. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, I, I've decided I'm going to start you know, I have a lot of the multi-part ones, but I'm also going to start putting the the full length video, which might be still cropped down mm-hmm. and, and try to right. do the hybrid of that. But I don't know. We'll see. I think every channel changes as time goes on. Right. Right. Yeah. Trying to find your sweet spot. Yeah. 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 And I don't think, you know, like that's one of the nice things, too, about 
you know, if you can do parts and, and that's the other thing, the, the one, obviously there's lots of great things about having a Devin. That's what I like to say. I like to have a Devin, right? Cause Devin is there, he's filming, but when you have two people, then we have to work around each other's schedules. So we can't put out as many videos because we both have to figure out, okay, we can work these few days a week because we both have full-time jobs. Yes. Yeah, so then we're like doing this and this, and then we get together and then Devin is, then he starts editing and, and he's got to edit around his life and family and job. And so we put out less videos because we have that to deal with as well. So same thing. It's a trade off, you know, like I see you guys putting out like a video a week or multiple videos. You can do like little bits and stuff. And that's, you know, you have that, have that being able to actually do that. You're there with yourself. If you, if you can spare half an hour to go out, like, Eric did there was experience talking about his knife, you know, he just did like a 20 minute monologue of him just talking about it and then put the video out, you know, it was, I I'm a little jealous of that sometimes, but you know, but I think uh, it is nice having someone there to, who, uh, who can do that for you. You can just kind of follow along and be that like other person in the room. Like you're just there chatting with the person that you're making and you're watching make stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plus you can tell in your guys' workflow that, that there, that there's two of you to brainstorm and to come up with shot ideas and the camera work and the, the editing styles. I mean, it's, it's, it definitely shows in your guys' work. Totally. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's just one of those things that we've, we have been, you know, we just started from the beginning, like, yeah, let's do this together. It'll be fun. And uh, awesome. We kind of just fell into that because <laughs> it was like, you know, and the one, the other nice thing about that, and this is one thing that my buddy, Sean from crafting a life I want, who I think I mentioned to you, Aaron, early on that he was, he, you know, when I was telling him about the challenge, he's like, that's kind of cool, you know? And I reached out and I think at that point we already had the 10 makers, but um, he was saying he's right now he's, he's trying to build his channel and he's meeting with a, uh, a potential videographer because he mm. needs that like mm. other motivation, like someone else to be you know, like held accountable to, you know? So it's like, mm. Oh, you know, I could go out and work in the shop or I could not, you know, <laughs> like depending on your life, you know, if you don't have, if you don't have that like accountability, um, sometimes that's tough. And I think you guys are both you know, the, the fact that you're doing as much as you're doing and, you know, doing it by yourself, that definitely like speaks to, your devotion to what you're doing and the enjoyment that you have. And that comes out in both of your videos, which I, you know, I really like that about your work. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Hey, what, what about, yeah. what about Eric's knife and, and hammering out a one inch by what is it? Two inch by eight inch billet by hand. And it's like almost an inch thick. That was crazy to me when I watched him do that. <laughs> yeah. He bit off a lot to chew there. Yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's I would have liked to have seen the pile knows. of metal dust on the floor after he was done grinding. Yeah, no kidding. Right. <laughs> yeah, and that it's funny as I was watching and you know, I knew, I knew I was when I when I started forging out my knife and I kind of got to the point where there was already it was already longer than I wanted it to be, so I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep on going with it and I'm just going to trim off what I don't need. You know, I was like, uh, but then, you know, seeing other videos and obviously working with something like San Mai, you know, you can only do so much forging before you have to take it into the shop, you know, grind it down to, to get like the, the, the product that you want. So I was like, okay, well not, you know, a lot of people were doing San Mai. So it looks like we're all kind of doing the same thing. And, and that was purely just me being like, I didn't do a good job planning and, and you know, the, the shape and steel that I wanted to be able to forge out and do the heel where I wanted it and all. And so, you know. 
I, I felt better when there were a bunch of people doing other things and not forging all the way out to shape. Cause I, you know, sometimes I watch some of these awesome makers just forge out a blade to like a beautiful shape and I'm jealous. It just takes time. Yeah. I'm not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough to do. Well, let me, um, let me ask you guys a question real quick. When we started this challenge, I know myself looking at subscribership, if, if we're looking at the, the people who join the challenge, you know, me being a, a, a pretty much one of the smallest channels in the challenge, did you guys feel the pressure? Did you, did you feel like the big channels were just going to take it right off the bat just because of their subscribership, their subscriber base? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, yeah, when when I knew it was going to be a challenge and I saw the, the makers, I was like, oh, well, you know, first place will be the biggest channel and second place will be the next biggest channel and third place will be the next biggest channel. Because it was like with when you have that many people watching. Right. Of course, there you know, that's 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 the one of the benefits of having lots of people that they're all going to be there for you. But um, but I, so I, I actually think that seeing that and understanding that almost took the pressure off hmm. because it was like, okay well you know because i was like well it's it's probably not going to be a competition because these big channels are just going to get the votes because they have people who are devoted to them you know there are there are one million eight hundred thousand people who watch redbeard ops who are not subscribed to my channel you know what i mean so i was like i mean not, i'm not uh, uh blackbeard projects um right so with that in mind it was like oh okay well we'll just we'll just do what we're gonna do and we'll have fun doing it and we'll build this community with these other makers and that's the fun part so it actually took excuse me <laughs> excuse me oh man <laughs> i got that beer came right up in my throat right at that time <laughs> it, it took that pressure off at least that's what i felt i felt so the pressure <laughs> <laughs> Well, also you well, guys I, have you guys have the pressure of starting the thing, so you want to uh, you want to put on a good show. You can't put out a stinker. Absolutely right. true. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was um, a total success. Um, wildly exceeded yeah, our yes. expectations. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, on that note, and and we'll continue. We still have plenty of time on the podcast, but we're gonna. I want to get to the unveiling of the winner of the challenge. <laughs> And uh, so for those of you who are listening, if you're listening and you didn't watch the challenge, what we did is we had the 10 makers. Everyone made the same type of knife. So our constraints were make a Kyoto or a K-tip knife. And it should be relatively, at least what you said to me, Dennis, was something I think 7 to 10 inches was kind of our size. Um, and other than that, there was no other guidelines. It was like, just do what you want to do. And we obviously were chatting a lot with it throughout the process over the months and stuff. And we all talked and you know, different people were putting up different things. And, um, so we, we were able to do what we want. And then at the end, we all put our videos out at the same time. I think there was like, uh, was it between Wednesday and what we had, uh, like a couple days for people to vote. You could do the poll and then, then the voting to decide who, uh, who wins the challenge. And I like, I like the, um, the teaser that you made Dennis with the, like, the the iMovie the bum 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 ten makers <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome you know for bragging rights so it was great it's like I love it so um so we did that did the challenge put it out last Friday um we all put it out on Friday and then on 
What, when did we close? Yesterday, right? Yeah, Wednesday. Yesterday. Okay. And this this podcast is coming out on Friday, so our, our date to release is Friday, which is today if you're all listening. So we are gonna uh, we're gonna release the information now. So uh, we so again there were ten makers. We all voted, and um, we have and I will I will tell the top three. Uh, so in third place. And this is percentages, so we don't we know the overall votes. I guess it says there were one thousand four hundred thirty-four people that voted. Um, in third place, with sixteen point two percent of the votes, was Green Beetle. So Steve from Green Beetle, congratulations! He did an awesome knife. Um, the one thing I actually commented on his channel, and I was I was a little uh, disappointed was there was like no commentary, and that's yeah. one of the things I love about Green Beetle's knife making is, is like he's got this like the best dry sense of humor. I was like, oh man, I'm missing all the great humor, but it was it's still a beautiful knife. Uh, and then in second place with 21.5 percent of the votes was Blackbeard Projects. So congratulations, Blackbeard! He did an awesome knife. Um, yeah, I when uh, I forget who I forget who I was talking to, but someone was like, "Did he make two knives?" And I was like, "No, he made like a two-sided knife, which is awesome." You know, there were so many crazy knives that you know, like just fun stuff that I hadn't seen before. So uh, it's fun stuff. So Blackbeard came in second, and then in first place with twenty-two point five percent of the votes, just a, a narrow one percent higher of the votes was our very own. On the channel with us, on the podcast with us today, Dennis Tyrell. Congratulations, uh, thanks, Dennis. guys. Was, yeah, I was. That was awesome. <laughs> I was blown away. I thought, like, like I said, I thought Blackbeard, like, I thought the the, the bigger channels were going to just carry this away. And Aaron and I right. talked about this early on, saying like, oh, like, you know, I don't think we have a chance of winning, but you know it. Aaron can attest this. When it comes to competitions, I'm a really competitive guy. I'm always gonna like swing for the fences, um, and that's what I tried to do in this build. But I, I couldn't believe it, and I was watching it the whole time, and, and it flipped between. I would say that you definitely deserve Blackbeard your, and I your at least five or six times. Mosaic Damascus. Yeah, it was, it was awesome, um, and I think you deserve it 100. It's you know, I, it's funny. I forget who i was chatting with earlier um i guess it was just us talking before the podcast but saying how you know it was a little suspect that one of the organizers was going to be the winner and the person who put <laughs> together the poll but but yeah it's i mean you definitely deserve it dennis your knife was amazing and you know it's like beautiful work went into it i think you're the only person that did an integral bolster um it's just it turned out great. Thanks so much, guys. Good it's uh, it, it was it was super fun doing it, and that's that was the best part. I think the lesson to take from this is for future challenges that we put out that uh, hey, the underdog can win. Yeah, yeah. You know, Absolutely. channel size doesn't have anything to do with it. If you put out right. a good video and your product is amazing, it'll shine. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'll say that in fourth place, I won't go any further than that just because, but in fourth place was uh, Brian House, Housework. And again, so it's, you know, it jumps all over. It's, it's not only, it's not the bigger channels, it's not the smaller channels, it's just the, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of different things that went into it. You know, people are like all sorts of stuff, but, but really it does. It just shows you that it is about 
it, the challenge is the challenge. And that's why when I, at the end of my video, I was saying like, please go out, watch all the videos and vote for the person who you think, you know, the knife you like the best, whether that's the knife or the process or the video, whichever one you like the best, vote for that. And I was trying to encourage people to do that because I wanted people to be honest with their votes and not just, you know, yeah. vote for who they wanted. But And I think we all said that in our videos and, and it was subtle, but in the voting, if you read the, the question, it wasn't vote for the best knife. It was actually vote for the best build. So it was right. vote for the build that you thought was the best. And um, I, I'm right. still amazed that, you know, scratched by 1% there, but um, <laughs> um yeah, it was, yeah, awesome. it was amazing. Like, it, it, and it's so much fun talking with you guys, um, was really the, some of the best parts of the, um, of the whole experience. Uh, all right. I think Dennis, we're losing a little bit. He's a little bit delayed, but that's okay. Um, yeah. So it's, it was just fun, but I, I do, um, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about, cause we, we want to do talk about the challenge we did. And then Aaron, you kind of talked a little bit about, um, future challenges. So we've talking a little bit. Can you tell us, can you tell uh, a little bit about what we're thinking for a future challenge? Oh, we're not thinking we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go ahead and move forward with the new challenge of building the Bowie knife. Right on. Now we we're, we haven't really set the parameters or put a call to action for, you know, putting out a memo on who wants oh. to, uh, compete in the challenge but we've just got a ton of channels that want to compete yeah yeah exactly and i think you know we were all kind of discussing that on slack and um i'll say that i'll be honest um i don't i don't think that at least for our channel it um it wasn't super beneficial yet um, not that it wasn't fun and I think it was awesome and I'd do it again, even if I, even if it, I don't think it's going to be amazing, but like our video didn't do as well as we thought it would do. And I think purely that's just because there were a bunch of videos all about the same thing all at the same time, you know? So I think when we were kind of all talking, my perspective was like, what can we do so that way everyone's benefiting one way or another? And obviously, you know, I'm sure there are multiple other ways that we're all benefiting and that I know, I mean, you know, having Blackbeard projects say all of our names in his channel is benefiting everyone, you know, like that's, that's no joke. So, um, but I think, uh, you know, I was, we were thinking and it, that never even crossed my mind before the video went out. I mean, it was like, it went out really slow and it started out at nine out of 10 and eight out of 10. Nine, it just kept bumping back and forth between, you know, nine and eight, it took a couple of days for it to start to speed up a little bit. Um, and that, yeah, the only thing I can attribute to that is that it was just a flood of the market of the same type of video coming out at the same time, but you know, yeah. but again, I think just the fact that it was a challenge that, that it, it was all worth it anyway. But yeah, I think it, it's, it's definitely, it's the benefit is in the creating relationships through yeah. and with other makers. So by far that is, it's a, a great benefit as a, a practice as a, a type of a video to do. And I think it did what we wanted to do, Dustin, because we were both talking like, yeah, this would be fun just to uh, meet a bunch of the other people and all these channels. Like yeah. we respect everybody's work. And, and so why not? So the numbers aren't necessarily there, but as we all know, YouTube does that no matter what you think it'll be or whether 
whether you put 10 days or one day into something, it could get a million views and you just right. don't know. So we just keep putting out the best videos we can. And this one happened to introduce us to a lot more people, which is great. Right. Yeah. Now, what yeah, day so. and time do you guys normally publish your videos? Do you guys shoot for a target so your audience knows to look for it? Yeah, we usually do Sundays around midday, you know, usually around like 12 or 1. That's usually when we try to put out. You see, I, I do too, and I think that I missed my audience by releasing on Friday at noon. Yeah, maybe. Right. Yeah. They just weren't there. So when YouTube dropped my video, my test audience, it just didn't do well. Mm, right. So Yeah. So yeah, I think so, that, you know, those are one of the things I think we just all need to, you know, like I was I'll say we, but, you know, you know, you guys and whoever else wants to kind of help with kind of figuring it out. Um just yeah think about those things think about very like, cool or even if that's even if it's like even if that's something you need to think about you know i don't know i i just think i also think that just being part of these different challenges is is enough in itself you know right. that's that is the benefit is the right. is the growing the community right and the bowie <laughs> and the bowie how knife. iconic yes. of a knife i mean there's yeah. so many different interpretations of a bowie and think about the the different types of builds that we'll see across all these different channels. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think it maybe, you know, it's the first time for doing this thing, so it will only grow. So we'll just keep doing it. And, uh, people start hopefully looking forward to this, uh, specific group of people or these, uh, set of challenges that you guys are setting up. Incredible. Dennis, are you here? Yeah, I'm here. You guys hear me? Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Bowie's my favorite knife, by the way. So, I'm going to bring it. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's why we're doing a Bowie knife. <laughs> I, I, someone else suggested it, but I piled on right away. You're like, yes, absolutely. Let's do the Bowie. <laughs> it's, it's funny because I, I have a, a, a friend, a friend of a friend who um, wants to commission me to make him a Bowie knife. So this might be just the perfect Oh, perfect reason to do it there you go <laughs> you know? nice so yeah and i, I also see several other that. challenges down the road guys i see yeah. you know uh, a samurai challenge a backyard sword challenge or you know a movie challenge where you can build anything out of a movie you know the, oh, the sky's cool. the limit here so yeah no i yeah i do think those are just some great ideas and i think changing up you know I think having some that are more restrictive and some that are less, you know, really pushing it in both directions could be fun. Yeah, so, yeah, I was, I was thinking like, um, I don't know if you guys ever start when you started making knives, if you'd ever did file knives, but I know I did file knives for a while out of old files. I thought that'd be fun to try to do something like, you know, make your first knife or, or, you know, like a beginner knife challenge, things like that, which I think we've all done on our videos and we know that they do well. So exactly. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, like a hand, I have a never hand. made a knife out of a file. Me neither. <laughs> oh, really? Me neither. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's crazy. I have it That's on my I, list yeah. of things to do. <laughs> I, um, everyone, all the things that I've listened to in podcasts and, and books and, or, you know, things I've read are always like, you know, more mature makers will say to earlier knife makers, like, don't make knives out of mystery steel. It's not worth it. You know, the steel is cheap buy good steel and then you don't have to worry about you know messing up on your first knife because of the steel you know you can learn on something good and it's i i say the same thing with people i'm like yeah, yeah just buy you know but you can spend like 20 bucks and get enough steel to make three or four knives or whatever you're like you're fine you don't need to but 
yeah uh, you know be able to just find a file you already have right. it ready a, lo- you know? a lot of people exactly are, a lot of people are looking yeah. for what they already have in their shot and the interest mm-hmm. they get from your video is oh i have all those things you mean right i can do it with a dremel and some good files and i take these old files that were my grandfather's or yeah i have a circular saw blade. saw blade i've got right. i've got plenty of those i i i think that excites people and that i mean I'm the only one here who's only made one knife and my one and only was a circular saw blade after Dustin (laughs) had made a couple and we were living together and Dustin, I was like, that's amazing. So that's the only one I ever did. And I'm still equally as proud of it. It's not great, but I did so much of it by hand and with what we had in the house at the time. And I love that little knife. So a lot of people might just make one or two knives. And I think whatever steel laying around, that's laying around is, is fine to work with. I think that that's some of it. And I think the other aspect is people just like to watch things, old rusty things turn into something glamorous and new. That's exactly what I was going to say. Turning something old into new, even if you you leave a little bit of that, like you can see that it was from a file or a rasp or, you know, that's cool. people. People love that. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. How many of your viewers are actually going to make something? Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think that's, I think that's it too. It's like Devin, you were saying earlier, the percentage of people who are actually knife makers, um, watching the video is, is small compared to people who are just interested in what you're doing. So by putting something out there that they are like, Oh, maybe I could do one of those. And it might be exactly. the only time I ever do it, but I could do it once. Yeah. That's yeah. No, I mean, and so I, yeah, there's a uh, advantage of there's advantage to all the ways we do dust. You do it with the tools you have. And especially when we started the channel, you only had a certain amount of tools. So that's what you did it with. So yeah, uh, you were inspirational through, there was no effort of trying to be inspirational. That was just the tools you had. You had Harbor freight tools because that's what you, had to spend the money on as your hobby right yeah exactly right yeah i think i think people will relate to that but then also you know that's one of the good things about doing a challenge right because you're going to have a bunch of people who are going to do it different ways Mm -hmm. and i thought that was really fun about just the the plethora of what we had the different styles and the ways that people made the knives throughout the 10 knives that we have i think there was a, a really good range of what you can do excuse me yeah, and so right. and, and someone someone commented on ours, and I appreciate the support, saying like, "Hey, we love yours. You have our vote because you don't have the fancy tools a lot of the other people have," and that's fine. And that that's that's a, you know, thanks for saying that, but that's not what it's about. And there's plenty of room on YouTube. Like we all love to see those shops and those tools, and fantasize over those. There's a lot of YouTube channels I watch that have much better gear than. I might have, but I love watching those as much as right. the the stuff I have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I that's, think that's uh, uh, I, I never get, it never gets like, I never get tired of seeing people with really amazing shops, but then I also <laughs> as equally don't get tired of seeing people with minimal things, making stuff like someone making, you know, what's the guy's, uh, shoot, I can't think of his channel name. He's, uh, like Scandinavian, he does a lot of stuff like outdoor, this little outdoor forge. He made like, a, um, he's made some knives and some uh, some blacksmithing equipment and stuff. It's just, 
I mean, the min- minimal tools is always just as inspirational as a really awesome shop. Like someone right. like Fireball Tools, Jason from right. Fireball Tools, who has like the coolest shop and he does like the <laughs> coolest stuff, but it's also super like artistic and creative and just fun, fun seeing the full range of that. Well, and everybody starts in the same place. You know, I didn't have this shop. I didn't always make knives. I used to make motorcycles and stuff in my shop. And then I kind of converged into knife making and started to create these tools and make these tools as I needed them. You know, which tool was going to benefit me the most? I'd make a couple knives and I'd sell them. And then I'd, I'd, you know, either make it or buy that tool to make the process a little easier. But, you know, I, I think that if you look at other people's shops and you feel envious of their gear, that might tell you, okay, well, this is the direction that I need to work in. If that if that really means that much to me to have that, then that's what I should do. You know, rearrange here, make some money, and and you know, put that into you know a reality. Yeah, right, right. And, right. Working, and working with, with that, that original, original set of, set of gear, gear uh, it, lets it lets you know, know whether, whether that's something you want to do or not. You might not want to drop all the money, but by the, by time, the time you get there, there by, the by the time you watch those videos and say, all right, if I had that, this, it would make it a lot quicker. Then you know, yeah, okay, I'm in it. I really want to continue with this. And you don't have to drop 10 grand right off the bat. You do it slowly. And get Absolutely. Well, that's exactly why I released that, that uh, video here recently about how to make a knife with three tools. You know, I wanted people to know, hey, you know, you can use files and a couple of two by fours and make a jig and very easily make a high end knife with just a couple of tools. Yeah, right. Exactly. And then, you know, once you make once that, you make one, that tool, one tool, one that, that one final, final product, product and, and you're either like all in or, you know, I mean, maybe not all in, but you're like, okay, I want to try again. You know, I want to try again. You're either, you're either going to try again and you're going to, you, you're excited and you want to keep trying, or you're going to be happy with that one product and then also happy you didn't spend, you know, two grand on a two by 72, which is going to be sitting in your shop. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you could use that two by seventy two for everything. Oh, yes, that is the most integral tool in my shop. Definitely, you'll be looking for things to grind. Right, right, exactly. In fact, you know, I feel like when I started YouTube, I called my channel Alien Knives, which has bottlenecked me because my entire audience comes to watch knife making, but I have a tremendous amount of other projects that I make on the regular. So I'm going to actually, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to start a secondary channel for my project side because my projects don't do well on my knife channel at all. They flop completely. So, you know, like you guys, the art of craftsmanship, I mean, you, you guys can launch all kinds of different videos and your audience is there to see all of those different videos. Yeah. That was exactly the reason why we kind of came up with that name. It was like, well, what what do i want to do well i want to make stuff but so i i have my background is in fine art i went to art school for undergrad and i got my master's degree in painting um so to me there was always this like do i do i continue in fine art because that's like i have this passion for doing fine art or i do or do i do craft and but then over the over the years it's like well what's is there a difference between the two you know, like everything that I make has this level of craftsmanship and a level of finality that I want it to have to look at the end, to look like a piece of artwork. 
And whether that's, you know, something that's a knife or a restoration of a tool or something made out of wood, or if it's a stretched canvas and a painting and a drawing that, you know, to me, those two things go hand in hand. It's, it's just the, the, the overall craftsmanship. And that was the idea of that, the art of craftsmanship was that we might do all sorts of stuff. We didn't know that we were going to be, do a lot of knife making. And, and that's why we try not to do all one thing. We try to mix them up. And, and sometimes the videos don't do great. And we know that maybe that's not our main audience, but we do know that we'll kind of keep it, keep it mixed up a little bit and do different stuff. And that way, that, that, that gives us permission to keep doing different stuff. Yeah, that's right. great. Uh, I was going to say, Aaron, do you think that you said you've had some other things that flopped on your channel? You think that starting a new one will will do better for you to try other things? Oh, absolutely. Because I'll create an audience that comes to watch projects versus knife making. Mm. You know, like right now I'm building a, a gas fire pit a real contemporary gas fire pit that includes nice. welding and pouring of concrete slabs and creating the gas burner element. If I put that on my knife making channel, YouTube's going to launch it and my audience won't even click on it. So YouTube will immediately pan the video. They won't even launch it to other people out on the platform to see it. Huh. Right. Yeah. Because they test your own audience first. Right. Right. Huh. Yeah. I feel, I feel like they, they also do change that a lot. How much, how much they put into that. Yeah, I, I just don't know. Yeah, that's a tough spot with your name. Um, but I feel like you could, though, if, if maybe you could get some, some more interest in it as you already have a somewhat established channel. You might I could try it. Right. So what I could do is, is you know, start a secondary channel and I can launch the video on both and kind of use it as a test. Right. That's true. Be careful with um, sometimes they'll, they'll they might the duplicate copy. content. Yeah, they'll they'll they'll. they'll They'll cancel one out. Interesting. Yeah, we we actually tried to do that once with our own channel. We had one that wasn't even listed, and I uploaded another version of it, and they right away were like, "Oh, someone else already has this." I'm like, "We already have this. It's all video. Like, leave it alone." I know, I know. There's two out there, but one's private. But they still wouldn't let wouldn't let me do both. Gotcha. I was worried about that for the intro video on the challenge because originally we were going to get everyone to post it, and I'm like, "Oh, are, are they going to complain about that?" It, yeah, I think I think the um, I think it would. It probably would have flagged a bunch of us on it. I, I, did it? I don't know. Who did anyone else post it as their own yeah. video? We all, uh, no, we just we all link. just no. yeah, we all just shared it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. 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 Yeah, I think that was the key thing too. Is that. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't posted. It was just, it was the video shared on the community, uh, on the community posts. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I don't know, Aaron. I was thinking the same thing. Like, you could, I don't, I don't see why starting another channel would be bad. <laughs> when I see people with multiple channels, I'm like, huh, look at that. They're just like, why not double it up again? Like, make, make more content, put it out there. I mean, you know, obviously, by doing that, then you're splitting your time, right? So you, maybe you're putting less time into the one channel, you're, but you're still, you're doing these things anyway. So why not create the content? Yeah. Jer yeah. Jeremy, it, Simple Little Life, he's got two channels, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, because his knife making channel, they didn't want to hear his blogs and skiing and things like that. So that's why he created the secondary channel. Huh. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. I feel like 
it's so tough to get any channel to do well. I mean, it, it helps if you've already got one and maybe some of that audience will come over to another, right? So you have that, but it's so tough to get that original thousand people to subscribe and get that stuff going that I, I feel like I would just maybe. Well, you say that, but look at, look at Keaton with Fairway Forge. His channel exploded right off the bat. Right. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he had some videos just go crazy viral though. We, we, right. We, yeah, that's. I think that's one of those key things. Is like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What do you do? Yeah, you like yeah. kind of pitch and moan about that. You're like, damn it, <laughs> so easy for for those people. All they have to do is yeah. do one or two videos. Now they have like you know two hundred thousand subscribers right off the. Oh, computer. I'm so impressed. And we, we can't all be like Will Stelter that, you know, oh, I know. <laughs> leaves uh, uh, Alec and now has got like 170,000 subscribers a week later. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was just, I was just uh, internally bitching about that last night. Watching his uh, <laughs> hammer making video. I was like, that son of a bitch. <laughs> no, we we all were doing yeah, that, not just you. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, you know, I, you know, people put in the time and stuff and hey, well, whatever we're all we're all out here to at least you know have have some fun make some content and hopefully influence some people and make and make some money hopefully off of what we're doing you know so the more power to them i guess yeah let's inspire people to make some more stuff yeah right exactly yeah that's the good thing we, we always talk about this that's the great thing about this platform the pie is almost as big as you want it to be. So that type of competition, there's friendly competition. Like we all want to make a good thing and we want to make the best thing we can do possible, but the pie is so big, there's room for everybody and you never know when you're going to get something huge. It's just, uh, so you don't have to try to, you, no one's attacking the other person because we all can get a big old chunk of pie. Right. Right. Yeah. I like, um, I like Jimmy Duresta's, uh, his, his like metaphor on that, that there's like an old man down in the sewers, like turning on the pipes to one channel at a time, turning off, you know, he's just like, there's the old man apparently turned on the pipes to my channel and all the flow was going to his channel. And then, and then the next video turned it off, sent it somewhere else. I think that's such a funny <laughs> metaphor because it's like, who knows, you know, you try, you do your best. And then you do a random video. Like we did this sewing machine video, this Chinese sewing machine. And it had, like over a hundred thousand views in like two weeks, you know, <laughs> like who knows? You just, you just do it. And, and like you said, you know, we were in the, we're in the you know, position to be able to kind of do different stuff. Um, so we just kind of do what we do. And you know, I really it's enjoyed that. It's inspirational. Yeah. That sewing machine video was really good. Thanks. Yeah. That was, that was kind of like a, like I, I had, I had seen it a couple of times around and i think i saw maybe it was like big dog forge a couple years ago had a video on one and i was like that's pretty cool you know like that might be something i'm interested in in the future to do sheath sewing because it's just like hand stitching sheaths it's the least my least favorite part about leather work <laughs> but um and then i so i eventually decided just to like pull the trigger and buy the cheap sewing machine because like why not you know I might as well try it out and see how it works and uh my buddy was in my shop and he was like that box is still sitting there you haven't opened it yet and i was like 
They're like, yeah, because I want to do it on camera. He's like, he's like, I couldn't take it. I couldn't wait that long. And then sure enough, we like do it on camera and it, it does pretty well. So, and I told him later, I was like, see, see, that's the <laughs> trick. You know, like you got to wait and put it on camera because that, you know, who knows? Maybe it does nothing, but maybe it does something. So. <laughs> now I got to go and watch that video because I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, you'll be making one, Dennis. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And everyone, everyone's like, "Oh, you got to motorize it next." But I think, yeah, the, what I what I liked about it is that it like you could actually control the speed really well with the hand crank, you know, because when you're doing like, I forget who it was, uh, Free Hill Blades, um, just put up a little video on Instagram about him using a sewing machine to sew the edge of his uh, leather sheaths, and he was saying how it's the most you know, like nerve wracking part because you put all this time and effort into doing the sheath and then you gotta like just use the sewing machine to chung, 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 go down the edges and if you screw up you're like oh well <laughs> all the work is thrown out the window um yeah so so i want to ask before we go if we want to move on to uh, disaster stories yeah um we were talking earlier about different competitions to do and like maybe we should do uh, a movie based one or what's your base like your your favorite fantasy blade what what would each of your like your main fantasy or movie or pop culture blade be what would you like to have in your house or own i think i'll start now it's a little it's slightly corny to have like a samurai sword in your home right you look like a 16 year old kid with like a samurai sword <laughs> up on your wall but if i could get the kill bill hattori hanzo sword yeah i think that would be i, I would love to have that not only because i i love uh I love that movie. So, and, uh, you know, Uma Therma throwing that around is, is pretty awesome. So I, I think that that would be mine, man. That's I, a good one. I, I'd have to go to what we talked about earlier. I'd have to go with the Lord of the Rings sword with, um, what's his name? The, the King uh, Ar Aragorn. I would have to go okay. with the Aragorn sword. Now, I would you, that one. would you want it in, in pieces or would you want it after it's, it's forged? <laughs> no, no. I, I want it in, fully forged, Damascus, all the, you know, or, or actually, or I'll take it back or Jon Snow's sword from Game of Thrones. I'll take okay. that one too. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> the wolf head on the end of the pommel. Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That one. All right, Aaron. Well, I am. This is probably the corniest of all. I am a huge Arnold Schwarzenegger fan, and I grew up with Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I would build the Conan the Barbarian sword. That's awesome. That's, um, that's a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. I like like the big the big uh, guard and stuff. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Um, so, or Dustin, sorry, I'll do a second one. Uh, the giant you're William not gonna wallace. let me do my first one no, no no oh the william wallace, <laughs> william wallace. That's i was saying i was gonna say that one actually <laughs> i'm glad that wasn't my choice because well, you were taking it on your second one you like jumped right i in. wanted to jump so, in before you grabbed it <laughs> well actually like so dennis when you started i thought you were going to take mine because what in my mind like i don't know i always go to practicality when i'm thinking of things that i want to have and use so although i like I like all sorts of different fantasy stuff and I'd love to make them all. The one that I would want to actually have make and have would be Aragorn's sword, but not, not his King sword, not the sword, his, his, uh, 
his ranger uh, ranger sword. sword oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. so his like it's one that has like some life in it because it's it's a little beat up and it's got just like the brown leather guard and it's a standard sword but it's like something about that practicality i i love that sword in that movie and when he like he chops the Urukai's head off and that scene it just like swings around and points right back at the camera but was it oh, was that the I ranger like that sword still that's his ranger sword yeah because it wasn't uh, until later yeah. that he got when uh was elrond brings him the sword you know because he's got it reforged and all yeah, yeah. they um yeah. i actually when i looked up the quote the lord of the rings quote um people were wondering one of the questions was what happened to aragorn's uh ranger sword yeah i don't think i don't maybe they just don't explain it yeah he just you know puts it in his uh in his workshop you know hangs it up on the wall with the other swords and knives that he's made he gives it he gives it to bill the pony and he disappears <laughs> he sends it goodbye bill that, that was the name right bill yeah yeah okay all right <laughs> and what bilbo's sword is also a classic i'd take that one any day oh yeah oh, that's a, awesome. a, a sting yeah yeah yeah. yeah, there's some there's some good swords in that, and like you said, Devin, early on, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know, just watching, just watching the knife, the, the makers and stuff at Weta Workshop making all those swords, is pretty awesome. Yeah, not only did that did that that set of movies and the the making of those movies encouraged me more and more because um, you guys don't know, but I ended up going to film school and going down that path, and one of the reasons was because DVDs and making of. Uh, I, it was it was great, and but but for Lord of the Rings, they had such a good extensive making of um, of their movies that uh, that was super inspiring. That's cool. All right, so uh, so Aaron and Dennis, we reached out to you guys earlier on and and asked you something that we asked all of our guests uh, to to think of a disaster story, something that you can tell our listeners that makes us all feel like we're just part of one big group of people who are all making the same shitty mistakes occasionally and uh but we all get through them so uh so dennis can you start first with your uh your disaster story uh sure all my disaster stories are self-induced first of all (laughs) i was making my first karambit and uh, i was doing the you know the scrap scrap mascus whatever put all your scrap damascus in a canister had it all done, nice. had it all tiled, like, and I was, I had it mostly vertical. So then I cut them in tiles, had it all tiled out, and I was ready for the final weld. And I got excited and I wanted to see the pattern. So I dipped the, like, the pieces that were just welded to a piece of steel in acid and then left it for about, it didn't clean off the acid with like Windex or anything. And came back two hours later, forgot about it, put it in the forge like I was going to forge it. And the thing just fell to pieces because, of course, there was acid between every one of the. (laughs) And I posted that video of like the total fail and, uh, you know, what not to do. And it was it was my own fault. My son came in and uh, we started talking and I forgot to clean it off. You know, stupid mistakes. (laughs) What, well, what's 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 that video called? Uh, Karambit fail or something. I forget okay. the exact title, but yeah. But I, I did a follow up Karambit video that uh, that I was happy with. So. That's great. I just I think you know the same reason why I like having people do uh, disaster stories on here when when we can show those things in the videos. Like I think that's just as inspirational. People are like, oh yeah. 
I've done that or oh that's a great thing to try to avoid in the future because I don't want to do that you know it's like just use it as a teaching moment <laughs> yep oh man so did you uh did you end up doing anything with it did you like piece it back together or you just like no it was it, it was it was small I guess I could have like done another scrap double scrap mask is but I never did <laughs> So you had to put it back together like Aragorn's sword. And yeah, right. Have a video. There <laughs> you go. But reforge the blade. <laughs> pl- plenty of times I've made a smaller knife than what I, than what I had planned. My uh, <laughs> Turkish twist Damascus knife was another one where, you know, it turned into a little petty knife instead of a ten-inch chef knife. So. <laughs> that, that, that's the quote, right? Yeah. Knife makers don't make mistakes; they just make smaller knives. Exactly. <laughs> that's the quote. <laughs> All right, Aaron, what do you got? Oh shoot! Do I have to pick one? <laughs> okay. Well, you guys know that I forge by hand, so. I, uh, I started to do these simple sand my builds, and then I decided that I wanted to try this uh, stainless steel sand my by hand, and uh, I have yet to make it work. I have five billets, five delaminated billets on my shelf that I can show you guys today. Um, that's a tough one. That is a tough one, but I will make it work. And when I do, you guys will see the video with my failed attempts and what I did to make it work here pretty quick, but I think it all has to do with my uh, the temperature in my forge. Uh, right. So I'm actually building a new forge right now uh, because of that. I don't think that I'm easily getting to forge welding temperatures. So I've probably got uh, 50 or $60 in material invested and I've yet to get one to work yet. Oh, <laughs> but I'm not giving up. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, is it uh, Jason, Jason Knight that does, does like stainless sand my? Oh, lots of people. Dennis right. is doing it right in front of me. He's like taunting me with the cheese. You know, he's like, hey, Aaron, check out my stainless sand my. I make it look so easy. He's like, and you just hear that. Exactly. I was going to say, you can hear the press. The, the, yeah, the press, yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, man, you know, and, and it's moments like that that make me want to build the forging press. But at the same time, I feel like I want to learn all the steps along the way before I get to that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I think is it a uh, Neil Kamimura's do he's done a couple. It's been a, it's been a while since he posted, but he was doing just like taking angle iron and then putting you know just sandwiching using that as the as the jacketing and then sandwiching other steel. I was like, oh man, he makes it look so easy. It's like oh, just take this right. and bend it over. That's put it in. actually like, no problem. That's really difficult because the more dissimilar the metal is, the harder heat treatment you're going to have because the metals expand and contract at different rates when you go in for your quench. Right. Yeah. And that's one of those things that I feel like people never talk about with Damascus that, you know, you have all these potentially different types of steels with different types of uh, heat treatment and temper, you know, recipes and you're like i guess that's why there are standards for what you can use together because they do but even like yeah like the um the kumai you know just like doing that copper and the and and you know high carbon it's crazy the fact you can get all that to stick together and knowing the knowing the uh, recipes is important yeah yeah so i'd say you know that's a disaster that's in progress 
But most of my big disasters come with my handled material segments. I once destroyed a near $200 piece of mammoth and it was a mammoth tusk. And I was, it, it, you know, it took me almost six months to even cut into the piece because I was so nervous to cut into a piece of material that was not only that expensive, but that majestic that came from, you know, such a, you know, history past. And, uh, and then to find out that I drilled my hole improperly. Um, I was absolutely disgusted with myself that evening. You know, it was one of those deals where I should have drawn it out, but I didn't. And I just, you know, I was flying by the seat of my pants and, uh, you know, I, I walked away. That's the trick. Whenever you come into a position where, you, where you've, where you've, you know, failed yourself, you just walk away. And when you come back, you, you know, after you've settled down and you can take a minute to breathe, what I ended up doing is I took that piece of material and I was able to section it out into small one inch segments. And I used it for segmented pieces and, uh, you know, next to my bolster. And then I put a longer handle segment behind it. I was able to salvage that piece of material, you know, because I walked away and I thought about it. Right. Yeah. Cause otherwise you're just like, you're pissed off cause you've screwed up. You're like disgusted. Right. Yeah. If you try to do something right away, you can definitely just ruin even further, you know, you already, yeah. with those disaster stories, you know, we're already to a point where we know that whatever we were doing is already done. You know, like the idea is gone, whatever you try to do, it's done. You have to think about something new and, and keep going. Like that's the thing about being a maker and that like, you got to have that drive to keep going, try again, or just push past that because you're going to fail. You know, that's part of learning. So you have to figure out how do you, how you move past that? How do you go on to, make whatever that failure was turn into an actual success in another way before you get angry and throw it across the shop (laughs) i was just gonna say you gotta resist the urge to throw it across the shop (laughs) man what was it Ah, there was some i forget which knife it was something i was grinding and i forget something within the last like couple months and whatever it was it was oh i know it was the uh the kukri from the brush axe when i was doing that that was the most frustrated i've ever been during grinding bevels man throughout that process i kept like oh sure i'm there i got my head you know my ear protection on and my mask on and i'm just cussing away in my mask as i'm grinding out the bevels like debit's film and i'm just like motherfucker you know like all just like uh so frustrated like the compound curves in that are seriously difficult to grind yeah trying to get it trying to get that flat like clean smooth you know grinding was just like oh man it was just so frustrating but you got to keep on going just keep doing it because you know, that's one of the nice things about i i say this often about i say it to my students too as artists you know when you when you're starting out as an artist or a maker you're hesitant right because you you don't have your own past to look back on and say i know that i've done this before in the past and i was successful then so i can i can kind of just try and i know that if i don't do it well now i'll be able to eventually it'll work right yeah so have the confidence to that point yeah right exactly you have that confidence to someone but when you're when you're learning you gotta you gotta you have to build that confidence the only way to do it is to make those mistakes and, and make a couple that work well and feel good about them and then go on to the next one so you just have to you just have to do it you know it's, it's easy for us for people who have done it before and done it well to be like oh just go ahead and try it. it's no big deal just go ahead and grind it if it doesn't work it's not a big deal well, for those people who are doing it the first time, that is a big deal because it's like I don't have that, 
I don't have that history to tell me that I can do it okay at least a few right. times. Right. Right. I remember watching a, a grinding video early on. I think it was Walter Sorrels or someone like that saying, "Yeah, you got to like walk up to the grinder and like own it and not be afraid of it and just go for it." And I understand it now. I don't think I got right. it then. Yeah, exactly. That's what, that's what that's my that's what I say is you have to have confidence. You can't just walk up to the grinder and willy-nilly stick the metal against it. You know, you have to believe that you're going to grind a flat and and go, you know, stick to your guns and or right. else it, you know, it'll just turn into a round object. Right. But yeah. you, right. if you if you've never kissed, kissed a girl, you don't have the confidence to walk right up and start chatting her up yet. you have no basis like hey i've done this before it's all good no you you, uh you you gotta start somewhere i'll uh so one 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 shot uh, an angle that devin you got on this build on the Kyoto challenge knife um that i'd never seen before and it was actually really cool to watch was a shot directly behind the belt um, so it was a kind of a close-up of the belt from the opposite side of where I'm standing and I'm just drawing the knife across, you know, horizontally across the belt. And I could see how clean the grind was like from, from the edge to the spine as I'm pulling it across and watching that I was, it like, it gave me instant confidence. I was like, Oh, look how nice that looks. Like I was like that passed. whatever one you got looked really clean and maybe it was the water that was on it, but it was like the grind was clean. There were no wobbles, which the knife ends up having. It has some wobbles and has some stuff in it. But, um, I would say, uh, Dennis and Aaron, if you guys get that shot, cause it was a really cool shot. It was, it was cool for me to see. And I feel like as knife makers to see that angle from the other side, cause we're always just standing over top of it and looking down on. So if you can get right. that, that angle from the other side where someone else is looking from somewhere you've never seen, it was like, that was really cool. Yeah. So did you hold the camera for that shot or did you have it on a tripod? Um, I, unless it's a time-lapse, I'm always holding the camera. Gotcha. Yeah. gotcha. So I just, I just, you know, I float around and... Man, it must be shot. nice to have a videographer. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and that day, that day that I was doing all the finished grinding, was we, I came back from camping at like noon. I got home. Devin came over at one. We started, I, I forged for like an hour and a half to do the finished forging. I went down to the shop. I finished ground for like five hours. And then we came out and we did the heat treat that knife, that night. And it was like 1030 when we were done. And I was like, that's why I'm like so exhausted. I'm just like leaning down on the, on the anvil. I'm like, I'm going inside. I'm doing my heat treat. I'll see you guys in the morning, but uh, <laughs> that for I would say for like half that time, or even more, like th- three quarters of the time that I was down there finished grinding, Devin, you were just like sitting outside, like drinking beers, hanging out and stuff, because <laughs> it's like he had had, you know, he already got like an hour footage of me grinding. It was like I don't need more, and a lot of that was we did a lot of slow mo for that whole that second bit of grinding, that finished grinding, which is kind of cool. Right, but, you can only get so many shots so of someone someone grinding something. You're like, all right, I'm I'm good. You just and I'm always like, all right, Dust, you just let me know when you're on your last pass. I'll get that and we'll move on. Yep. <laughs> nice. You know, Dennis said something in a, in a recent video that, you, you know, when you're standing in a group of people, of professionals, and somebody says something and you have this aha moment where you're like, oh, my goodness, how did I never know that? So I always start making knives after my kids go to sleep. Every time that I start a knife, it's nine o'clock at night and I work from nine to midnight in the shop. And so that puts me heat treating my knife at, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. 
and then coming in for two two-hour temper cycles. Right. So yeah. here I am staying up till two, three, four o'clock in the morning to make sure that it tempers properly. Well, what yeah. Dennis said that I never understood before was that you can't over temper a knife. So right. I could throw that knife in the oven at 400 and wake up tomorrow morning and it still only hit 400, 400 all night right, long. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah. So now I can <laughs> heat treat a knife and go in and go to sleep. <laughs> I, I, that night that I did that, I think I do the same thing. I went in, I, I ran one, one, you know, heat treating cycle in the oven and, and then, uh, it was like 1230 or something when I pulled it out to go into the second one. And I just set my alarm for two 30 or whatever. I was like, I'll just pop out of bed and go and turn off the oven. But yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, you're only burning whatever. It's like either your electric bill or your gas. If you're just letting it go, right. it's not, yeah, it's not going to over temper it. It's just sitting in the heat, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's funny. I like that. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's it's just a thing. Like you said, you don't think about it until someone says it, and you're like, "Oh, an aha moment." I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank All you, right. Dennis. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so we like to uh, finish up. So we did our disaster stories, but we want to uh, finish up with some recommendations because we like to, you know, there's sometimes we struggle. Devin and I will we'll start the podcast and be like, "Do you have a recommendation? No. Do you have a recommendation? No. Okay. Well, we'll th- we'll think of something before the end of the, of the podcast." Um, but I love hearing other people's recommendations because, you know, inevitably it's either someone I've never heard of or someone I have heard of, but I haven't looked at it for a while. So it's, it's fun to hear that. So, uh, so Dennis, do you have a recommendation for the listeners? You mean like another channel? Yeah. Another channel or, um, a content creator or a movie you like or a book or anything. Man, come back to me. I need to think about this one. Ask Aaron. Gotcha. Okay. Aaron. <laughs> um, yes, actually, I, I do have one. Um, oh my goodness! I follow him on my Instagram. He, he's a he's a younger kid that's making knives right now, and uh, Drew Leninger. Okay. I, I I I've talked to Drew. He he's a really cool guy. Cool cool yeah, cool he, kid. Oh, I mean, he's like sixteen cool or kid. something. I mean. Yeah, he's a kid in high school. He's got incredible talent, incredible passion in knife making. Um, his last name is L-I-N-I-N-G-E-R. Drew gotcha. Leninger. Okay. Totally worth checking this guy out. Nice. Yeah, I, I um it's funny as as you say it, like as you said, I was writing it down and I wrote L-A-N-G-E-R, really quick. And then I went back in and I like I put in a little carrot and I put I-N in between. <laughs> and I was like, and then you spelled it out. I was like, oh, I got it right. <laughs> so it'll be in the show notes if anybody's looking for that. So Drew Leninger, nice. So he's a he's a young knife maker? Yeah, he's. I, I want to say he's maybe 16, possibly 17. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I've yeah. shot him Incredible out. Incredible talent. Yeah. I've given him a shout out on my channel before. He's 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 got some cool stuff. Does for he did a forge cool. build? He did some really cool stuff. Is he on uh, YouTube and Instagram, like under the name? Yeah, both yeah. of them. Gotcha. Okay, that's cool. Um, Devin, you have a recommendation? Yeah, I'm gonna do. A, I'm gonna do a recommendation of a show I haven't seen yet. Now it seems weird, but let me give you a backstory here. <laughs> okay, it's the show is Clarkson's Farm. Now, if you know the show Top Gear or, or, um, or the Grand Tour, 
with uh, uh, Jeremy Clarkson, James May, those guys. They have a great car show, but with Amazon, once he started with Amazon, they all kind of, I think the deal was, yeah, we're going to do a Top Gear style show, but then we each want our own show. So one guy did this, um, one did a show they put out where it was like, uh, with, who was it? Oh, Tori Belechi from Mythbusters. Okay. Yeah. They teamed up and they, they did like a Smith Family Robinson thing, where it was like on an island and they tried to build their way off. It was a little weird. It wasn't the best because it was like scripted but unscripted. And they just, they built these really cool things, but they didn't show how you built them, which was a disappointment. Oh, yeah. But then another guy had a, uh, a travel show. I think James May, Man in Japan. And he went to Japan. That was good. But uh, Clarkson, in the pandemic, he started a uh, his own farm. And he's kind of a city guy. So it's like, right, the city slicker going and starting to farm. But it got really good reviews, and it comes out. I it comes out. It'll be out Friday. It'll be out when this comes out. The the, the whole series on Amazon, and I think it hopefully it comes out tonight because I wouldn't mind watching one or two if I can watch it later tonight. But it got good reviews, and uh, I'm excited for it. So there you go, Clarkson's Farm. Hmm. Nice, right on. All right, uh, my recommendation is a. Uh, Instagram, um, it's Kodiak Craftsman, uh, and I just started following him because he posted a picture. He was at Blade Show with his wife. They drove from Texas, um, but he just po- he posted a picture of kind of a small, simple puka, which I'm always interested in. Really simple pukas. Something about the simplicity and the usefulness of it is always draws me to that same reason why I like Aragorn's Ranger Sword. But uh, um, and so he's like in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Um, he's got some backpacking stuff. He's got pictures of knives and uh, some really beautiful stuff. And I'm not. Let's see. I'm. I'm not 100 sure if he made this knife or not. But either way, like he does some really nice stuff. He's some backpacking stuff and some bushcrafting stuff and, um, and he's into knives and he's got some cool gear. So check him out on Instagram. That's Kodiak Craftsman at Kodiak Craftsman or uh, KodiakCraftsman.com as well. All right, Dennis, do you think of one since then? Yeah, no, I've, it, it was narrowing it down. So I, I would definitely give a, <laughs> a shout out to my buddy Spencer, who um, his channel is Heavy Forge and he does some really cool stuff. Um, but he only, he, he, he's in Alaska and he, and he works on, you know, the, he, he prepares heavy machinery, like he's a mechanic for heavy machinery. So he only actually forges, um, in the summer, but he, he does hammers, the hammer I use, he gave me. So he's a real cool guy. His his channels is, uh, is pretty interesting. He does a lot of hammers and axes and stuff. And does he do, do do you see any of the stuff stuff. you said he like works on heavy machinery? Does he do any of that on his channel? Like showing um, stuff, or it's just about the stuff he's making. Um, he doesn't show that, but he uses a lot of that. Like he'll use like the pin to one of these massive excavators and make a hammer out of that. So he does a lot of that work. So it's, it's pretty cool stuff. Nice. Yeah, he made a dog's head hammer out of that, didn't he? He did. He did. Yeah, I want that hammer. <laughs> I saw your comment uh, that you wanted that one. So uh, talk to him; he'll make you one. <laughs> That's awesome. And actually, the, the other show that I would give is the guy that I get most of my handle material, like, is Fleming Wood Supply, Jared Fleming. And like, the, the handle to my um, 
my Gyoto, and most of my handle material comes from Jarrett, um, uh, Fleming Wood Supply. He, he, he does great stuff. Really nice colored wood, so I would definitely recommend him. Cool. Does, um, uh, so Heavy Forge is YouTube and Fleming Wood Supply is that that's, Instagram? That's Instagram, yeah. Gotcha. Cool. So I will I will make sure I put all of those uh, all the recommendations in the show notes. Um, Aaron, why don't you give uh, give the listeners uh, all your stuff where they can find you, where they can see your work, and where they can uh, follow you? Uh, I'm on YouTube, YouTube and Instagram, and it's A Lee Knives on both of them, and that's basically where I'm at and what I do. And uh, I haven't been selling my products online; they sell so fast here locally that uh, you know I just. I tried an Etsy shop, but I just, I never have anything to put in it. So <laughs> tough problem to have. Right. Yeah. Come and come and learn and watch and, and, you know, learn with me and learn together on YouTube. And that's really what I'm here for. Awesome. You know, nice. That's great. And Dennis, uh, where can they find you? Yeah. Same thing. Uh, Tyrell knife works, uh, on, uh, on YouTube and Instagram. Um, I do have an Etsy store. It's linked in all my videos where, you know, as I get stuff, I put it up there, but you can go to YouTube and you'll find it there. Nice. That's awesome. So, uh, and we are the art of craftsmanship. You guys can find us on YouTube and on Instagram under the same name. Um, you can also follow Devin, the art of camera guy. And, uh, if you ever want to send any questions or any specific questions that you want Devin to ask me on the show, you can send him a DM directly, or you guys can email us. Um, Thank you guys Thank you both guys so much, much for, for chatting, chatting with us. It was fun to get the scoop. And Dennis, congratulations, man, on Thank winning you. the voting for the uh, the Kyoto Challenge. It was it was awesome. It was so much fun, and you know, the stress didn't matter. You know, we made the knife. Everything turned. You know, Aaron, I know you had it worse than we did, but uh, you know, we all got there in the end and made some really awesome stuff and just made some really awesome connections, which is I think the, the, the most important part. So that was the best part for agreed for for putting together and and bringing all these awesome makers together is fun. Oh, right. thanks so much for having us on. This has been super fun. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. and. Uh, Thank you guys all so much for listening. It's been a blast. Um, once again, if you uh, if you want to um, support uh, us, you guys can always go over and find us on uh, Patreon, the Art of Craftsmanship slash or Patreon.com slash Art of Craftsmanship. Um, go check out both Aaron and Dennis's channels. Give them a follow and subscribe and like and comment and learn. Um, it's been a blast. Thank you everybody so much for listening, and we will talk to you all next time. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.